Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist to that business news. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. And welcome to our another football episode, even though the season's ending. Well, I mean, actually, it's it's not really ending. I mean, we're we're kind of going right into the most exciting part of the year. I guess for for you it's ending because one, <laughs> your your local team just got crushed last weekend. I guess by the time this comes out, the previous weekend lost thirty to nothing at home, and then your favorite team is no longer going to exist anymore. So I guess for you, it really is ending. It's true. It's it's been a bad year for myself and football. I mean, I've I've pretty much given up on the Chargers. Of course, my wife's upset at me about it because I, it feels like I don't have any loyalty. But hey, the Chargers have given me no loyalty to me, and they're moving to Los Angeles now, or at least that's what they're trying to do. I think as of today, there there might be a chance that there might be one more year here until they make a deal with St. Louis, which <laughs> yeah. would be a very awkward year, by the way. I don't get how they're expecting that to go over. So, fan, I mean, from from my perspective, the people I've spoken to and that are big Chargers fans in San Diego have kind of already said their goodbyes and they've given into the fact that the Chargers are going to be gone. So now it's possible they might come back for this weird in-between year before they go to L.A., I just can't can't see people signing up for that. The season ticket holders, I don't know if like some, I'm, the real diehards might, but a lot of people are just going to back out of that. I think the ones that are not going to root for the Los Angeles Chargers or whatever they're going to be named are probably not going to be too kind to them this next year if they stay in San Diego. But but I I still there there is going to be a portion of of fans and apparently including my wife that are going to follow the chargers to los angeles and good luck to them <laughs> what it's going to be is next year is the same thing it's going to be in la and it's basically going to be a, a gigantic game for all the away fans because both san diego and la are yeah <laughs> cities with a lot of people not from there so it's ba- whatever team's playing there they're going to load the stadium with their fans and that's what it's going to be and then 10 years from now they'll probably come back yeah. from los angeles after failing there i think well i think the interest is still there in san diego if they built the new if they would have been able to build a new stadium but too late i guess yeah too late so let's talk about another stadium that actually is getting built, and is, I believe going to be ready for next season, and that's in Minnesota. The, was it U.S. Bank yep. Stadium? U.S. Bank Arena? It's probably U.S. Bank Stadium, I'm guessing is what it's called. Yeah. And that's important because they're going to have this this nice big new fancy stadium with the U.S. Bank branded on top of it. It's going to look really nice in the aerial. It's a rooftop, of course. Yeah, yeah it's going to look real nice in the aerial photos. One thing that's happening while, and I, I think this is these other towers are getting built, or maybe they were getting built at the time when U.S. Bank Stadium got approved, is Wells Fargo is also building or has these high rises, I think are 17 stories high, something to that effect. And so let me back up a little bit. The Vikings building the stadium and basically went around to the neighboring businesses, I guess, entered into agreements with them in terms of signage, things like that. Whilst one of the nearby buildings is Wells Fargo, they agreed that Wells Fargo could have two very specific aerial logos on top of its building, but that's it. And we'll we'll get into the specifics of that. But the Vikings wanted to have two just standard things that said Wells Fargo on top. And Wells Fargo has now built this 
we'll put the photos in so you can see for yourself, but it's an elevated logo that I guess is also going to light up at night. So US or the Vikings aren't happy because Wells Fargo is obviously a competitor of US Bank. And when they do all the aerial photos panning out during the game, which really doesn't happen that often, so I don't get why they're that upset about it. But (laughs) when they do that, it's going to say, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium. And then right, you'll be able to see this illuminated big Wells Fargo (laughs) logo right there, which they're basically, you know, building on top of their own stadium and getting free advertising for. And the Vikings are not happy so much so that they've fought for what a preliminary injunction against Wells Fargo. And at this point in time, nothing's been decided, but that's that's where we stand now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because you have this U.S. bank that's probably paid, I don't know, did it say how much they paid? I mean, at least millions. Uh, oh, yeah. Probably sure. tens of millions, if not even, I should say, nine figures there, right? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, they pay a bunch of money, and then all of a sudden, they have this uh, Wells Fargo move next door, which, by the way, what's interesting about this lawsuit, it's not like U.S. Bank wasn't aware and didn't mind, and I think that's the issue, is that for some reason, there's, and if you look at Wells Fargo's response, their response is more like, well, look, we've been communicating with you this whole time. This is what we agreed upon. If you look back here, we gave you these plans, and and as depicted, this is what we built. And if you look at these plans, as you would normally see in a lease of some sort, is a drawing of the Wells Fargo logo, its dimensions, and it's a square logo, if you if you can kind of picture it in your head for a second, and you can take a look at the website. And in the lease, however, it doesn't necessarily depict any kind of raised lettering or three, three-dimensional drawing. It's a two-dimensional drawing. And so Vikings argue, well, we didn't agree to this. We didn't agree to lighted signs and raised signs, as, as, as Matt said. But then Wells Fargo says, well, there's no, there's no description within the contract language which prohibits that. So why would that be a problem? And, you know, it didn't go into so much detail as to what material or what the, the construction itself. So why should that matter? I want to say, and I should probably confirm this, but I th- I want to say at the time when the Wells Fargo stuff just started being built, it wasn't possible to have this sort of raised signage through the city. That's right. And so I believe now, obviously now they can because they've built it, or I'm assuming they can. And so they, and actually I, d- I do know they can because they submitted a plan to the city. This is what you were just kind of getting at. They, Wells Fargo submitted this new plan to the city the city had no objections. And so that's when Wells Fargo started building this. And like it's this elevated logo, not your standard, the two-dimensional one, as you described. And so I think one of their arguments is it wasn't part of this agreement because it wasn't possible before. But now that it is, different story. We got it approved by the city. There's nothing in this signage agreement saying we can't do this, yeah. prohibiting that. So we're going to do it. And I mean, this is the, if I, if I remember correctly, this is latches, right? Isn't that the defense that they can use? Well, actually, yeah, because it is a preliminary injunction. And I think in the same aspect, the same kind of set of facts with that is you can also argue, okay, well, maybe there's some kind of ambiguity in the contract because it neither states it either way, but maybe that was the intent of the parties and so forth. But then you know, like you said, the, there was a city ordinance which prohibited these certain types of rooftop signage, which apparently like where it sits on a table or some something to that effect. And when Wells Fargo solicited the city to actually make this amendment, and of course the amendment passed, the Vikings didn't 
put up a fight. So therefore, like you said, they're either latches or it also confirmed the understanding of the contract that that wasn't part of it. And maybe, like you said, maybe they should have raised it at that time, which this was early in 2014 is when they started promoting the uh, amendment in the city of Minneapolis. Yeah, I'm actually going to be there later this this year. So I should go check it out. And Really? What for? Family vacation. So it's... Oh, nice. Flying into Minneapolis, but I'm not going to be spending a lot of time there. So maybe I'll, after land at the airport, I can circle around and see what the deal... Well, that back to something I said at the beginning. I don't see why this is such a big deal. They're making a huge deal out of the... I don't think the raised logo is that big of a deal. Maybe it does make it look different. I don't know. But like the the lights, I mean, most games are played during the day. I don't, the lights aren't going to be on. and Except Monday night football and then maybe Sunday evening games, right? Yeah. And those would be the games where, you know, they would have the pan out because they, you know, the, the networks get there and do all these shots like the the football team that used to be in San Diego, they used to always show the shot of the uh, Coronado Bridge, things like that. So yeah. I guess they have these pan out shots. But one thing we I failed to mention was, so not only these logos that are on top, which the two-dimensional non-illuminated ones were approved, they have these logos on the side of the building that light up. So yeah, those were approved <laughs> as well, right? Yeah. So, but they're not. I don't think the Vikings are pushing back on those, right? No, that's that's the thing. Is I mean, there are these lit up, lo- you know, the Wells Fargo words that are on the side of the building, which I would think would be able to be seen on any sort of. I mean, if it's a direct aerial shot, like literally right above, no, but. If it is a panning shot, it's going to be able to see it. So, you know, Frank, if I was Wells Fargo uh, representing them, my job would be to prolong this lawsuit as soon as long as possible in order to get to next football season. Because, you know, the first home game in Minneapolis, the announcers are going to talk about, well, uh, unless they're unless they're encouraged not to by the uh, by the NFL yeah. about this Wells Fargo Vikings dispute and, and this this signage. Well, that's and that's kind of what they did in their response. So we said how the and keep in mind too, this is the Vikings versus Wells Fargo. I mean, the, as far as I know, U.S. Bank's not involved at all. They probably have contractually obligated right. too. And and I and I and I heard the Vikings have a better offense than U.S. Bank. So <laughs> yeah. So they they filed this for this injunction, and that was you know, what you just said was basically Wells Fargo's response. Like this isn't an emergency, you know, these injunctions yeah. are reserved for emergencies. This is hardly an emergency. I think the first line of their response was, you know, this is just a contractual dispute. And yeah, this is a straightforward contractual dispute about signs, not an emergency requiring extraordinary remedy of injunctive relief, which I would agree. I, yeah, with they're that. right on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I think they're, I think they're correct on that. In fact, if they were in the NFL season, I think it would be more, there'd be more of an argument. Right. And that's the thing is, so let's say that the Vikings win on this and they get an injunction. I mean, the only people that are going to suffer any loss are going to be Wells Fargo for continuing to build this likely more expensive logo on top. And that's all by their choosing. And I guess the Vikings still, as much as it was a loss for the the hometown Texans for you last weekend, the Vikings loss was worse. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that. I did not. They missed a 27-yard field goal. Oh, to win yeah. The game. <laughs> yeah. And I, I heard about it. Yeah. I, I really think you or I could probably kick that. I realize it was the the coldest game on record, 
in NFL history it was supposed to be, but you know, 27 yards. It's that's why I'm wondering. We should talk more about your Minneapolis vacation as to why you're going there in the in one of the coldest areas of the country. Well, I'm going in <laughs> July, so I think it'll yeah, be. It, I'm still pretty sure it's going to be the coldest area in the country in July, minus Alaska. Uh, it's not going to be cold. It's just going to be the coldest. Uh, maybe. I mean, I see what you're saying. I'm thinking it might be. It's possible. <laughs> well, we'll report back. But it, you know, the, the, all these leases with stadium. I mean, th- this is this is big deal stuff. I mean, let, let's let's put it in the right context that these are highly negotiated issues signage, every size. And by the way, it's not like, you know, we're talking about in the NFL context with big stadiums, but it's not like the same conversations don't happen in office leases because signage on doors and offices, on the front lawns of, Mm -hmm. of buildings, on the side of buildings. I mean, these are all negotiated issues. And I see often if you if you don't discuss it beforehand or have signage approved and so forth, there can be some issues down the line when the tenant moves in and like, hey, I want to build a sign here in this color, and the landlord's like, hey, no, you, we didn't agree to that, you know. Yeah, there's going to be signage clauses in all these commercial leases. It's you know, and it's going to vary from small end, which is are you going to pay for a little placard by the elevator Yeah, all the way up to big time stuff of, you know, most high rises have some sort of company name on the top of the building. And that's where stuff like this is going to come into play. I mean, you don't see aerial disputes, or at least I don't see aerial disputes too often, but. You know, what's funny is I, I paid for partial law PC on the top of my <laughs> building just for fun in case there's any, you know, aerial shots at the middle of West Galleria, Houston, but it's really, the only problem is it's really small and it's just a, it's just a piece of paper that I printed out and then taped to the roof. But I thought you, I thought you just threw your business card up there and <laughs> landed. That would be worse. But sp- okay. So speaking of leases, I wanted to, we have to talk about the St. Louis Rams moving to Los Angeles and how that fiasco happened, right? Well, yeah. And we're talking about state, we were talking about signage for stadiums, but basically all the issues surrounding teams relocating are, are around stadiums. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, there was three possible teams that were going to move St. Louis, Oakland, Oakland, and San Diego. And if anyone who's ever been to San Diego Stadium, it is possibly the worst one in in the NFL. Bilal and I have been there a couple of times, and she she always asks me what's wrong with the stadium, and I don't know what to tell her. I mean, it's it's an old stadium, but it still it still works. What's wrong with it? Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. What's wrong with it? She doesn't like the spiral. Well, the spiraling ramps up, or that's just really weird, and it takes forever. Those are annoying. I agree. Yeah. But uh, okay. Other than that, then what's what's wrong with the stadium? There's not a lot of good seats. It's hard to get to. Hard to leave. So that was the char- whole Chargers thing. I guess the the St. Louis one's a little bit different, but like a lot of these professional sports stadiums, not the one that's going to be built in Inglewood by the Rams owner. He actually bought the land, and he's going to do that himself. But yeah. This one in St. Louis was built in 95, predominantly paid for by the taxpayers in the city. So it was a 30-year lease. And I think this last year, at least the years leading up, the, the Rams were only paying $500,000 a year to use this stadium, which is, that's nothing. That's I was pretty shocked by that number. But yeah, I think the debt service is like three times the amount by the city <laughs> yeah. per year. Yeah. So right now the state pays twelve million a year. The city of St. Louis pays six million a year, and St. Louis County pays six million Jeez. to pay off all all these bonds they have. So, like you said, the Rams are moving from St. Louis to L.A. That's for sure going to happen. 
and there's $129 million still owed on the stadium. It's, I mean, even if the Rams stay there, I don't know how, I, I guess there's jobs, things like that are built, but I don't know what they're going to do with this now. I mean, this is... Yeah, I mean, they said they have to, they're have they going to make up the cash by having certain events and so forth. You know, unless, unless they have me fly in to do a speech to sell out the stadium, I don't know how they're going to get that kind of income. But what, what's interesting is how they got out of that lease, right? So 30 years ago, or I shouldn't say 30 years ago, it was back in 1995, a 30-year lease, there was a provision in there, which, by the way, of course, the St. Louis uh, Rams, or I should say the Los Angeles Rams at the time, heavily negotiated. And, of course, they were coming there for the new stadium, but they said, okay, you have to maintain the stadium to be in the top 25% of all NFL stadiums, which, what what is that, the top 10 or 12 well, it's 30 teams, so seven, seven or eight. Okay. And of course, like in the last 10 years, even there's been a ton of new stadiums and over the years, stadiums tend to depreciate in <laughs> more ways than one. Apparently the San Diego stadium is the worst in the country. Probably. It was contingent upon this 30 year lease. And it was, like you said, it's vague. It had to be in the top 25% of NFL stadiums based on various criteria. We don't know what that is. Since then, 22 of the 32 teams, oh, sorry, 32, I said 30, 22 of the 32 teams have built a new stadium since theirs with so pretty much a guarantee that they weren't going to stay in the top 25%. Yeah. So instead of that 30-year lease, they have this now opt-out and it's a, a year, it's a year-to-year lease, which... Yeah, they had to give a year notice and then switch, and then all, instead of giving a year notice, they basically said, we're going to go year-to-year. Yeah. And that's where we are today. And... I thought that was a big deal until I saw that they were only paying $500,000 a year. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess that's, I mean, of course there's other things that get brought, you know, there's, there's money that gets generated just by having the team play there. But you've seen uh, John Oliver's this week in the news or last week in the news. Have you seen that before? Yeah. He did that. I don't know if you remember, he did that one thing about, you know, cities paying for stadiums and so forth, but this has to be like a prime example of where these kinds of deals go wrong. Am I right? I mean, it's the Rams are leaving with debt on a stadium that they don't have a team to fill in for and a lease for which they weren't getting that much paid back anyway. And they're kind of left just hanging, right? Yeah. And if I had to guess what happened was they were just desperate for a team back in the mid nineties. And at that point you pretty much agree to anything to get a team there and you figure everything out afterwards and now they're stuck with this big problem and the worst part the owner is he's from Missouri so it's not like he's you know it's not like they were sold and he has no idea what's going on he doesn't understand the importance of having the team there things like that but I will give him credit that at least he did go buy the land in El, in Inglewood and is going to build that and, instead of having the taxpayers do it. So wasn't that something that the the Chargers owner was upset about or something? Because well, yeah, because there the the Chargers and Raiders plan was to build it in Carson, which was would have been a massive mistake. It's all just very extremely rich people complaining about having to spend some more money on you know. Some like for the Chargers, for example, the Spanos family they bought the team for seventy million, and now it's you know they make that in like net income every year. Wow, they're making money hand over fist, and you know just these little complaints about we don't want to. It's basically nobody wins except the the owners. Okay, well I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the Chargers and Rams seem to be right for each other in Los Angeles, so let them go have fun over there. 
the stadium that the at least the Rams and possibly the Chargers are going to play in isn't even going to be ready for the next few years. Are they going to be in the Coliseum or something? I believe one team is allowed to be in the Coliseum. The Coliseum's approved one team, so that'll be the Rams next year. But then all the other big venues have said no, like Dodger Stadium, where the Angels play. Oh, I see. And that's so that's why the Chargers are more likely to stay in San Diego for a year. Yeah, but they still have to have – I mean, I don't think the stadiums in Inglewood's going to be ready till like 2019, so they still have to figure something out. Well – I think maybe Qualcomm might cancel the lease saying <laughs> if Chargers are in the bottom 20, 25% of the NFL for more than one year in a row, then they should be kicked out. I think there's no doubt there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think. There's some old, there's older stadiums, but it's definitely one of the worst. They can play in my backyard. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think we even have a takeaway for this one. Well, to give a real takeaway, I mean, this, we're talking about leases again, right? Uh, leases about signs and leases about these these out clauses. And it shows you like, you know, if you, if you negotiate correctly, and there's a lot of ways you can finagle yourself into different terms, both on the landlord and the tenant side. And those leases are so long that it's worth going through it you know with an attorney i think that's that's obvious but uh well in this case the dispute was over this signage agreement the lease is not even really coming into question here it's this separate agreement that the vikings went around and had all these other businesses enter into so i guess they should have contemplated those things then it's i mean i i think i think there is a drafting mistake here right because if wells fargo was i mean i, I guess they didn't know right they didn't anticipate that they were going to have raised lettering but if they had any inkling that that might have been a possibility, they should have threw it in there and made it more clear. Yeah. And Vikings, on the other hand, they should have been protesting much sooner, as you mentioned, when they found out that this is what Wells Fargo was trying to do. But it's not surprising that who, who would catch something like that during that time, you know? I guess, no, They I think they found out through the, once Wells Fargo submitted a new plan to the city and it got approved. Yeah. I think that's when they found out about it, if, if I remember correctly. Well, all right. I think that's our podcast episode for today. Thanks for joining us. And I haven't done this in a while, but one thing that helps us a lot, I think it does. I'm just saying, I don't have no idea if it helps us out at all, but if you go to iTunes and leave us a positive review, what it does do is it inflates our egos. And that's probably the most important thing that we're going for right now. If it inflates it enough, we can somehow have enough money to have that bigger aerial sign on the building. So that's what we're looking for. Well, I'm going to do a, a GoFundMe campaign just to uh, make a bigger sign for the for the roof. All right. I'll donate. I still have to get it approved by the landlord, though. I'll have to work on that. Yeah, we can well, we can figure that out. Yeah, actually, well, you know, just I'll just follow Wells Fargo's suit and just uh, <laughs> do it anyway and wait for them to say something. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Yep. Keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business.
For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.